Welcome to a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they made how many of those? And we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps, and I'm here with Elizabeth Helley and Tyler Hymanson. And we are here uh, recording remote this week. Uh, I looked to see my co-hosts and they weren't here with me. We're all here in separate places. <laughs> That's right. Um but, uh, you know, we're still going to do the podcast as we normally would um, and hope that you guys are keeping safe during these uh, these crazy virus times. Uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully everyone is safe and sound out there. Yeah, we're we're keeping the podcast going while also doing our civic duty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And if you uh, have anything to say about that or anything, really, you can email us at sequelrights at gmail.com or hit us up on social media on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at sequel rights. And while you're doing your social distancing, if you wanted to go back into the archives and kind of watch all of the Tremors movies for some reason, they're out there. You can watch them. Uh, And as you're watching them, you can listen to our episodes. And if you do, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, And if not, the whole archive is up there and there's not a better time for binge watching than right now. That's right. That's right. Uh, but this week, uh, we get to do one of my favorite things of all time on the podcast, and that is start a brand new franchise. We're talking about the first of the Herbie series this week, The Love Bug from 1968. And I am so excited. We have, a, uh, an awesome guest this week. Um, I couldn't be more happy that he is here. We have a suicide awareness and mental health advocate and famed Herbie freak, Gabe Nathan here with us. Gabe, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I, and I have to say, this feels like a dream. And it's very late. I'm in Philadelphia. So it's, you know, it's, what is it, 1155 at night. Ooh. And it's like, you've invited me on a show to talk about the love bug. So I might <laughs> actually be dreaming. I don't know if this is real or not. Is this a real thing? It is or real. Is this a dream? It is real. I can assure you that it's at least 60% real. <laughs> okay, I don't care. Let's just do it. Real dream. Who can? Let's just roll with it. Yeah. Well, it's so great to have you here, uh, Gabe. Um, especially because of the you know exciting stuff that you are doing with uh, with your very own Herbie that you have. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe that I have a Herbie of my own. <laughs> I've been <laughs> thinking wanting that since I was like five years old. So just to hear you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, he's sitting right out there. Um, that's crazy. Um, thank you. I, I, he and I are very much in love. Um, and uh, we are basically a rolling billboard for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, um, 1-800-273-8255. Um, that will change to a three-digit number at some time in the future. Um, but it is it, that change has not taken place yet. So that number on the back of the car, um, it's all over the rear windshield. So wherever we drive, people are seeing that number. They're seeing the word suicide. Um, I have conversations with people every day, basically, um, whether I'm going to the supermarket, um, (laughs) buying hand sanitizer and paper towels and toilet paper, as we are all (laughs) now. Um, People will will stop and talk to me and, and have conversations about mental health and suicide because of this little car. Um. And it's it's a really wonderful thing. I, I love what I do. That is so awesome. It's it's really 
amazing work. Uh, we'll be linking in our social media to Gabe's TED Talk and some other things. And you're going to think, wait, what does this have to do with Herbie? Uh, a lot. Uh, but it's just really amazing work. And, and it almost made me, I mean, I teared up watching your TED Talk. Uh, I think that it's just really about talking with people and making people not anxious or feel weird or feel stigmatized about what their feelings are about depression. Um, and it feels very prescient to be doing that, sending that message out as everyone's being more anxious and more scared right now. And I could not be more excited to be talking about this movie, uh, today. Well, uh, it, it makes me so happy to hear that. Um, this is a, this is a huge, scary time of isolation. And if there's one thing that individuals who are experiencing a mental health crisis can feel, it's isolated. And yep. this is just magnifying that, uh, you know, a thousandfold. So uh, this is what the world needs now. Absolutely. And with that, Justin, I think we have the trailer for The Love Bug. Let's hear it. Everyone has a fantastic story to tell about his car. Now, get lined up for the one that tops them all. It's the story of Herbie, the screen's first four-cylinder star. Did you see this thing take off? One of your showboat tricks, Mr. Douglas. I tell you, I had nothing to do with it. Hey, we were turning. Groovy, Pop. Groovy. Walt Disney Productions, The Love Bug. He's a scrappy little beetle that adopts a has-been race driver and turns him into a champion. Dean Jones. Hold it, you two. <laughs> I love that the I love the start of that trailer. The announcer says, like, everyone has a story about his car. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, right. in- interesting pronouns. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um but uh, yeah, we're so we're here talking Herbie, and we've got a a Herbie, a certified Herbie expert with us. Um, I think uh, Gabe, I'm sure everyone would love to hear about your experience with this franchise. When did you uh, when did you first see the film, and, and how has its uh, you know the the story that it's telling? How, why has it stuck with you this long? God, so I was about five years old, and. Um, so this was like the time of Betamax. This was like around 1985. Mm-hmm. And my aunt Rena, um, who lived in Israel, was visiting this country um, for a week or two. And one night, my parents used the fact that Rena was here, you know, to get some free babysitting. So my parents went out to dinner and Rena went to West Coast Video uh, down the street. And she was looking for a kid's movie uh, and picked up The Love Bug. Uh, on Betamax and brought it home. And I was sitting on the living room rug watching this film and my brain just totally broke. And, (laughs) and I think everybody, everybody has a story about their favorite car. Well, everybody also has a story about like the film or song or play or whatever it was that kind of broke their brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, it was the love bug. Um, I was, it just swept right off my feet. Um, by the magic in this movie, the humor, um, the sweetness of it. Um, and, and as kind of the years rolled by and it really kind of got its clutches in me, the experience changed with every viewing. So like as a five-year-old, I didn't really put together that Herbie was trying to kill himself. 
Mm -hmm. you know, throwing himself off the Golden Gate Bridge, which, by the way, is like the suicide, you know, spot in this nation um, with so many attempts and and fatalities every year. Um, Yeah, I didn't get that. It was like, oh, Herbie's trying to get away from Jim. Um, Mm -hmm. But then as you watch it later, the more you learn about life, the more life experiences, just the more the film really resonates on a deep level. Um, And it's written with such intelligence and such humor um, uh, you know, Don DeGrotti and Bill Walsh, the writers really deserve a lot of credit, I think for the, um, how the film holds up. Yeah. I have to say this is, uh, you know, I, I had actually seen, I have seen the most recent one, but, uh, this was my first time watching this movie and, uh, I, yeah, I didn't know anything about the, the suicide scene. And, uh, you know, I, I, we had gotten you, um, you had agreed to be on the podcast before I had actually had a chance to watch the film. And, uh, oh, wow. it was, it, you know, when we got to that moment in the movie, I was like, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense with the work that you're doing. And, uh, yeah, it just was, uh, I, I, I found it really moving that, that whole moment. Yeah. I think yeah, it was just, it's hard, it's hard to watch that without a lump in the throat. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and, and I, you know, I had the same experience where I, when you agreed to be on the podcast, I had not watched the film yet either. And just watching that scene also to start with this movie, like it just has an amazing uh, depiction of San Francisco. There's a lot of beautiful matte paintings and there's a lot of, yeah. of levity and fun. And there's something that really stands out about that scene. There's something far more serious and far more dark, um, and and like you said, like the Golden Gate Bridge is such a a focal point for this issue and for this topic, and the um, emotional motivations for the scene are not inauthentic. There, that that was a double negative, but like that they they are. Uh, justified you know even though it's a car and it's this thing but somehow it's even more powerful because it's in the context of this you know basically screwball comedy where you have you know buddy hackett and all these other things and but the characters are such good archetypes and such relatable i don't know pillars of of what you see in and the dynamics that would happen in that universe that i think that it's Something that feels fairly unique now and certainly in 1968. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to imagine uh, audiences watching that that moment um, in that moment. Um, and I think that the characters are so well developed and the actors, you know, all veteran stage actors. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with the exception of Michelle Lee, I don't think at her age she was a veteran of, of much. You know, she was in How to Succeed in Business um, and a couple other things before The Love Bug. But that was really... I think that was the the start of her career, but certainly Dean Jones, uh, Buddy Hackett, David Tomlinson, um, uh, a master of, of his craft. Um, mm-hmm. All the human actors commit so deeply to what they're doing um, that the scene it's so it's it's such a natural evolution of the of the action and the storyline. And really, if you think about suicide, suicide is never one thing. Um, and a lot of researchers and academics, you know, the main thing that that lost survivors are left with is that question of why. And there there is no why. There is no one why. Um, but there are multiple factors that contribute to these things. And so if you look at what's happening to Herbie, you know, there's this great attachment that he has to Jim, um, played by Dean Jones. 
and Jim, well, several characters talk about that relationship between a man and his car, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means and what that signifies. Um, and then that trust is broken and that relationship is broken and you're feeling jilted and you're feeling useless. And and it's it's all these things kind of combining. You give so much of yourself to something and then it goes away in a flash. Um, and that can contribute to to an act like that. It's one of the scenes that I love the most in the movie where like Jim has to confront his hubris like head on, right? Where he's like, Oh, I know I won all those races and Herbie has to hear that. And we understand the absurdity of the idea of like, Oh no, like it's the car is not magic. It's not a person. And like, that's exactly what depression feels like. Like you're not a person. You're not a thing. Like you're not even having this thing. Um, and I, I really love the complexity of that scene where, you know, Buddy Hackett's telling him, you know, that's between you and him. Like, I can't I, I, I spoke my piece on this. Like, you can't. This is a private thing between the two of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. I, had do, I had to do my buddy. You know, I had to throw that. Oh, my God. I thought that was a clip that Justin pulled. Yeah. <laughs> it basically is. I mean, you know, that was great. But yeah, I mean, it it does nothing but its selfishness making somebody else feel small, uh, and it's it something about objectification and personification in this car. Uh, it's it's a really interest. There's a lot of very interesting things happening in this movie. Yeah, I agree, and I think you know you can tell that the writers, I think, really loved what they were doing. Um, and, and I think it's important to remember that this is the last film that was sanctioned by Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so planning for, or total, I believe, la- I believe last period. Okay. Um, but I'm, I might be wrong about that. I know for a fact it was the last live action film. This, the planning for this film started in 66. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Walt passed away from lung cancer, um, before he could see, you know, obviously the, the film done but i think that was very important and i think that the sentiment behind um kind of walt's ethos and what he wanted to achieve with this that was really a driving if you'll forgive the pun um <laughs> force behind love bug um and it, i think it was a film made with love i think it was i think that the actors had great affection for each other um and for this car um so they didn't know that they were going to cast a VW. Um, so they lined a bunch of cars up uh, in sort of a warehouse on the Disney lot, an MG, a Toyota, a Volvo. Um, and they had the folks working on the film um, just kind of mingle around the cars and see how they reacted to them. And the VW is the only one that these, you know, kind of grown white men smoking cigarettes reached out and pet. Um, so that's how they knew. That's <laughs> how they knew they had their star. Um, and that's love. And, and that's, you know, it, it's everywhere in the film, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I was uh, watching this movie. Um, I even from the very beginning, I was like, man, I'm so glad we chose. Uh, we landed on this for our next franchise because like it was such a charming and fun film that I was like, this is I needed this like happy, love-filled, heart-filled movie right now uh, during all this uh, gloom and doom that's going on uh, in the world and everywhere right now. Um, 
that this was just really like a breath of fresh air uh, to and watch. Let's not forget, just incredibly well made. Like the oh, yeah. stunt driving and the stunts in this movie and the practicality. Like this is a production standout. Oh my God, like this... this is something where like there's there was a point where you know uh, Herbie is suspended uh, vertically in a tree, and it's like <laughs> Spielberg ripped off the love bug. Yep, like that's what <laughs> happened. <laughs> And then, of course, we have the Herbie as Jesus moment when he's bouncing off the pond. It's like, you know, the car can walk on water. It's, and it's beautifully done. They actually used like um, a 400-pound kind of gutted VW with uh, mannequins uh, for Dean Jones, Michelle Lee, and uh, Buddy Hackett with a crane. Oh you know, just dipping it a- across the water. Yeah, that was my favorite. Uh, you know, uh, usually I'm the one who buys the you know crazy special features laden DVD to watch this because I'm because I am crazy and because you're Justin, I own the DVD. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I want to see and like, uh, you know, yeah. Some of the most interesting stuff in the kind of like they have like a 45 minute behind the scenes thing was the uh, detail that they went into some of these special effects that are just crazy. And yeah, the one where he skips across the water, it was like he was on a zip line, and it was it was just uh uh very impressive and like tyler said too the stunts are just like you know i watched the end race a couple times actually because some of those stunts are just so crazy you're like this is nuts you know splitting in half is 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 my favorite it's just it's amazing yeah i have to say too um you know i'm a bit of a disney buff but for some reason i've never seen this movie i think I grew up with so many of the live action Buena Vista ones that had like female protagonists or ones that my parents really loved. And this just wasn't on the the docket. Um, so this was actually my first time seeing it. But as soon as that shot with the hopping on the water and then David Tomlinson being sprayed in the face with the mud, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's like the most iconic shot. It's in every Disney montage. Like I've seen that a thousand that's, times. And so that is the one. Yeah, the the Disney montage where they're advertising all the VHS films, that's in there, I think. (laughs) Okay, that must be what it is. And yeah, this just has so many like great hallmarks of that classic era of Disney live action films. Tyler already mentioned the matte painting, like a Peter Ellenshaw matte painting is like a fine wine to all Disney fans. (laughs) It's like, I want to move to that San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, well, yeah, it's directed by Robert Stevenson. People talk like that. (laughs) Yes, no, absolutely. People get arrested. Um, uh, The way that that Dean Jones and and Buddy Hackett get taken to the station. Permit me to inform you of the following. First, say nothing that would jeopardize your constitutional rights. Do people get arrested like that anymore? I mean, that's <laughs> not in San Francisco. I can tell you that. Right? <laughs> Only if it's your you have a down on your luck character actor who is now a police officer. <laughs> yeah, the, the the classic film dialogue in this movie is so great. Just the way you know, like there's not dialogue like that in in you know modern films, and some of the Buddy Hackett stuff is just so smart. And I I I I, I had a great time with it. I had you found his monologue where he talks about um, how, you know, if everything you say about this car is true, it's already starting to happen. And he goes on this um, incredibly prescient monologue where he's talking about machines being stuffed with information until they're smarter than we are. I mean, hello, AI, like, (laughs) yeah, we are. Yeah. He basically says, you know, 
us humans screwed up this world and now the cars are becoming sentient. And it's so funny because we've actually interviewed before John Negroni, the guy that wrote that Pixar theory about how the cars like Pixar movie cars universe is actually like, you know, it's all connected and the cars have become sentient in the future. And I was like, Herbie, like basically (laughs) laid that out. You know, we were 50 years before cars ever came out. I was going to say, if we just like, you know, put it in reverse uh, back to the basic premise of this movie and some of the like basic characters um, you've already mentioned, um, Dean Jones, who's the race car driver that's kind of, you know, down on his luck. And he kind of wanders into a fancy uh, dealership, uh, which w- Tyler, what did the sign say again? Oh, uh, may I direct your eyes to these? Your <laughs> yeah. attention. Your oh, your attention. attention to I'm sorry. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I know. Check I mean, out those games. Yeah. Think, not... yeah let's, let's look at those games. <laughs> I was thinking. Children's films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not going to get away with any, uh, you know, misrepresented lines on this episode with, with Gabe here because he, he said he's got it memorized. Yeah, and I think it's pretty funny because I don't know, like, the, yes, there are some dated um, things with the way that uh, Michelle Lee's character is treated, but it's like hard to be mad because it's also so charming and innocent at the same time while being kind of inappropriate by today's standards. But it's it, in the end, it's just kind of like, ah, you know, I'll allow it. <laughs> you can you can tell that all the the heart is in the right place and like so much of this movie like the way that people talk it's like a howard hawks film like it's an old noir movie like it's so much fun like all the dialogue just crackles yeah it it is so sharp and one of my favorite moments is i mean you want to talk crisp and sharp there's nothing crisper and sharper than david tomlinson delivering dialogue oh my god Uh, in the first place, it might interest you to know that under normal circumstances, I would never sell a car to someone with whom I were not, well, shall we say, socially compatible. I mean, my <laughs> God, you know, like you're, you're dying. You're dying for the next line. Um, the way the way it comes out and then uh, just a couple moments later, then get Mr. Douglas and his acquisition out of here before I lose my temper. <laughs> and, are popping up, and it's, it's just so uh, like, you know, I'm like, jumping out of the ceiling here and it's i have to believe that it's not just because my brain has been infected um i I have to believe that other people out there on this planet enjoy it as much as i do um because it's just so good um and so much credit so much credit goes to robert stevenson Mm -hmm. someone mentioned him earlier and i'm sure i just talked right over you and i'm sorry um but a really brilliant director, um, a, a just a gentle Englishman who uh, started working for Disney in 1957. And of course, Herbie's front license plate and rear license plate is a tribute to him. The, the production crew, uh, Herbie's license plate is OFP 857, which stands for Our First Production, August 1957, in honor of Robert Stevenson when he joined oh, Disney yeah. uh, to work on Johnny Tremaine. So like, again... It's another example of love. It's not just a stupid Easter egg. Like, well, let's put this in because it's funny. <laughs> it was a way to honor this wonderful man um, who made this really delightful picture uh, in in a really great career. Are you throwing shade at room A113 or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> Direct shade. Oh, I want to be clear. Right. Okay. The gauntlet has been thrown. Uh, 
you, you know, you mentioned Tomlinson's performance, and I was enthralled with it. I loved it so much, and it made me realize I was like, okay, like this is like the Hedy Lamar. I'm sorry, Headley, uh, Lamar performance in Blazing Saddles, which is one of my favorite movies. Mm. And it's just pure Tomlinson. Like, it's so good. Like, it's such classic screwball, classic (laughs) noir. Like, it's everything. It has an element of every piece of my favorite movies. And I was shocked at how sophisticated it was for really at the time was just a romp. You know, it was yeah. uh, it was uh, a movie that everyone went to. Go, it was intended. Everyone goes on a Sunday for fun. <laughs> well, then we'll go yep. see something else next Sunday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this this Tomlinson character. And of course, he's, you know, also very well known for bed knobs and broomsticks and uh, Mary Poppins. But yeah, if Mr. Banks had never gone back to fly the kite like this might have been <laughs> where he ended up, like if he had bought yeah. the car dealership. <laughs> I was like trying oh, to hold. I was trying to hold myself back from making all sorts of racing Mr. Banks comments and like jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that all week. <laughs> but uh I'm glad you got it. Yeah, I had to I had to, had to throw it in. Um totally. yeah, his 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 like every moment with him during that final race, uh all of his comments in the car are like pure gold. Like I, I love Oh my that. god. I love that moment when he's like, "This is the times that I hate myself," or whatever. Like <laughs> right before he, right before he like runs them off the road. I, I just, it was yep. so funny. And try, try to kill all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it really yeah, turns I into love, like wacky I love races, how it right? goes from like there's literally a scene where uh, Herbie's trying to commit suicide in this movie, and then it becomes wacky racers, mm-hmm. and the heart is never dropped. It's never forgotten throughout this entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's absolutely there. It's it's in every scene, in every moment, um, in every uh, in every small victory, um, in every downturn. You know where they're they're in Mister Wu's area and they're trying to start him and he he won't start, and you just get this heavy feeling and it's it's there. Um, the moment where Buddy Hackett goes and puts the blanket on uh, over Herbie's engine cover. Uh-huh. Um, it, the blanket has these metal hooks and he hooks it onto the air vents above the engine lid. And it's just, it's just so sweet. Mm-hmm. Even the way uh, Benson Fong who plays Mr. Wu just kind of shuts the light off. Um, you know, when you come to last page, close the book. Um, it's, it really, uh, it really gets you. Um, and as, as, um, as we said, there are some things in it that it doesn't quite, you know, past the sniff test for uh, the woke 2020 culture. But I, yeah. I mean, finding a Disney film from that area that, that does. Um, and Cannot. I think, uh, yeah. And I, I really do think, and even Michelle Lee talks about this in the, in the commentary on the DVD when they're in Mexico, um, because Herbie's intake is too small um, for a race in America. So Jim takes him to Mexico for this little race and she says, oh, you know, the, the way the way this was shot and, and the, the Mexican stereotypes, this would never pass now. But no one says anything about the Asian stuff. Oh, God. And like, you know, Mr. Wu's dialogue. Um, <laughs> well, I'll say that- something about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it, Elis. <laughs> Okay. No, you know, it's complicated, right? So I somehow, you know, this is my cross to bear on this podcast being um, 
Asian American, but um, you know, I I love Benson Fong. He's a freaking legend. Um, Flower Drum Song is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, despite it's very, very uh, strange and, you know, outdated racial stereotypes. But, um, you know, he's a polarizing figure because he is best known for being Charlie Chan, which is like a really racist, uh, famous Chinese detective uh, series of movies. And a lot of people say that that character set Asian um, representation back a lot. Other people were like, you know what? He was the good guy. He was smart. You know, it's very polarizing. In the end, this guy was an actor. He wanted to work. He worked a lot. Some things that are not as good, you know, towards I'm sure how Asians wanted to be seen. But in this movie in particular, um, you know, the dialogue is a little bit, uh, some of it's a little racist and stereotypical. Um, in the beginning, he's kind of um, shown to be like a penny pincher and he's using his abacus to, you know, calculate how much they owe him or whatever it is. But I think it's great when, you know, <laughs> uh, Tennessee, Buddy Hackett is talking to him in this just god awful Chinese and he's humoring him and then at the end he just replies to them in English and they're all like ah yep. you know like they're uh, like wow we're done you, you know English yep. <laughs> it was so yeah, great and of and, course, he, he ends up owning a, a Thorndike shop and making yeah. Thorndike and Havishaw his employees in the shop yeah. um, and, he, and Tennessee actually, they all, all the white people yeah. work for him by the end that's right. that's right and I think he actually comes he's he comes off I I think as a very intelligent and compassionate character, you know, yeah, he's, he's betting and, and he has a vested interest in the, in the outcome of the race, but I think he genuinely, and again, we come back to that theme of love. I think he genuinely loves that car. Um, and it really does come through. Yeah. And I like to, when he, um, when they go to uh, what is like known as Chinese camp, probably because there was a bunch of Chinese miners there at some time. And his like, there's like a physical fitness boy scout troop type people that like lift up <laughs> yes. their car and yes. uh, Benson's Fong son, Brian is like the main uh, extremely good looking, by the way, like yeah. Henry Golding <laughs> step aside yeah. uh, main Chinese boy that helps lift Herbie up for like a long time. And so, yeah, like there's a few comical, like there's a super old Asian guy that's like, you know, not putting the gas out, that's but that's right. like played for laughs, but they're really just screwing over, you know, the other guy. And so, yeah, most of the Asian people, despite like some stereotypical styling, maybe, um, they are very capable. They're very smart. And, uh, I think they get the last laugh. And so once again, it's outdated, but I'll allow it. So you're, so you're, <laughs> say, you you're saying that, uh, that's not what, uh, pumps sound like at the gas station. <laughs> 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 they, they don't make maybe uh, gong noises. Oh my God. That was terrible. Yeah. And you know, honestly, <laughs> yeah. the most racist thing as we've seen in many series is just the music that they put on yeah. when Asian people are on screen. Yeah. If you just took that music out, it would be 50% less racist than it is. <laughs> yep. It just goes yep. like gong, nah, 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 you know, every single <laughs> yeah. time. And that's really yeah. what does it more than what you're actually seeing on the screen. Yeah. The thing that I do love about his character is that, and, and unlike a lot of characters in modern movies is he's allowed to have nuance, right? Yeah. Like, like he loves this car. He still makes the bet. And that's a, that's a more complicated character than we see in most blockbusters. Yeah. Right. Ever. right. Yeah. 
and he's honest. He's honest about it. He yes. even says, "More honestly, I could not resist the odds." Yep. You know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm human. This is this is this is what it comes down to. You know, this is what betting is. You know. Um, yeah, it's like I'm a, I'm a businessman. Like I I yeah. love this car, but I'm a businessman. Yeah, and that's integrity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, another thing I really enjoyed about this movie, um, you know, normally here on our, our sequel podcast, we're always like really getting into the nitty gritty of like, oh, what's the mythology of Herbie? Where does Herbie <laughs> come from? Well, why like, is he yeah, sentient? Which, which ancient Germanic druids viewed yeah. this car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and I love I love that like if this, you know, I feel like if this movie came out now, there would be some weird like backstory as to why this you know car is sentient or whatever but in this movie herbie just is and i thought that was super refreshing like no one is ever like but wait why (laughs) they're just like yeah yeah and then you have the flashback and and yeah the mythology story about it and and really it it just boils down to what jim says Mm -hmm. you don't understand what happens do you they make ten thousand cars they make them exactly the same way and one or two of them turned out to be something special. Nobody knows why. And I, I just, I love that. And then you have Tennessee. I know why. <laughs> and, you know, do you? <laughs> maybe, he does, maybe he doesn't. Yeah. But it's it's a wonderful little explanation, I think, that, that really leaves a lot to the imagination. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's great. It just makes sense. Like, it's just, I, I, I have to say that I think in my mind, I always thought the entomology of being a hack somehow came from Buddy Hackett. I don't know why that was, but <laughs> this movie blows that presumption out of the water. <laughs> I was like, he's great. He's what are like you talking about? He's like an avant garde metallurgist. <laughs> yes. No, he's an alchemist, apparently. <laughs> he's, he's a lot of things, and he yeah. also subsists on kelp powered food <laughs> yeah well and irish coffee exactly oh, well, yes. of course yes yeah it just goes back to what you were saying that every character has multiple sides and is so nuanced like yeah he's the you know the butt of the joke he's the comic relief but then he's also like the the one who's continually to have the emotional connection to the car and to um the main character and you know like I being the, the real tell. conscience of the movie yeah yeah, he's yeah, the most he's open-minded. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's that's what you really need to be able to believe in Herbie. Just And you can hear it in that kind of 60s parlance. Just open your mind, man. You know, <laughs> open your mind to the ways of the bug. But, like, that's that's really what it is. If you if you just sit back, roll a dubs, and, and <laughs> you know, you believe it. You'll believe it. I did think at the beginning of this movie, I was like, oh, man, are we going to have a drinking game for every time a hippie shows up in this movie? <laughs> but it only happens. Well, it was funny because the hippies at the drive through they called their van Guinevere. And that's the name of the van in the new Onward, Onward movie. movie. Yeah. Oh. So I wonder I wonder if that's a reference or a coincidence, but uh, I, should be. I do wonder if they didn't know the car before production started. If like all the hippie references were there before, you know, because the VW with the bus and the bug like was so much more identified with that movement. Like, I wonder when all of that came in or if that was just what was happening at Disney in the 60s. Yeah. And uh, yeah. fun fact, I'm sure Gabe knows this already, but uh, that, that hippie in the van uh, was played by Dean Jones <laughs> in, hippie, in a hippie costume. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Yeah, you know, stupid little fact from the DVD. Yeah. <laughs> Fun no, that's fact. Awesome. <laughs> and it's funny because not only do the human characters have different sides of their personality, but Herbie, I think, does as well. I mean, in the first half of the movie, he's being like a little bit mischievous. He's like spraying oil onto David Tomlinson. He's a, a scam. you know. Yeah, he's he's uh, playing matchmaker. And I got to say, at the point when they heard all that noise and they turned and Herbie had destroyed the Lamborghini <laughs> and was plowing into it, like I actually like gasped. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, like this escalated like, you know, very bitch, quickly. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was shocked he took it that far. Um, but, you know. And then he, uh, of course, goes on to the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge for that that huge uh, confrontation. Yeah, after committing a murder. Um, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a murder. It was just a maiming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a Tanya Harding. It was good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Herbie will cut a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't mess with him. <laughs> What were some of your guys' favorite Herbie moments throughout the uh, throughout the movie? Anyone got anyone got some favorites? Oh, I mean, I'm sure that I do. Okay. Uh, I I liked the going out to make up make out points and just being <laughs> like, "Hey, oh no, the doors are locked." <laughs> yeah. Oops. Which you know, uh, maybe not great op- optics wise, but yeah, you well, know, it was Herbie did it, and they were both just like, "Oh, here we are." Yes. Herbie Herbie could feel the vibe. <laughs> he is I'm the sure love bug. I mean, come on. <laughs> He's setting up those love Jim, connections. Jim doesn't get Jim doesn't get too rapey. I mean, no. he, he raises the the finger to the ear, and that's you know. Yeah, he, it's a little. <laughs> it's a little creepy but also he's like it's clear that he's also just like joking around somewhat like it's not it's clear that he would be down if she's down but at the same time he's kind of like oh it's the cars doing this lol you know like i will say it's pretty good for 1968 (laughs) seriously uh i really loved the um the sick slash drunk Herbie moment where he's all woozy and the wheels are like, Oh, that is, <laughs> their wheels no, are all the tilted. Most, that like, effect is so cool. That was so not easy to do. And it gave him such a character. Like it, it made him uh, uh, like a Looney tune to me in a way that like the best way possible. Yeah. That, that was really fun. <laughs> so my, my favorite moment, my favorite Herbie moment is in the dealership. And it is the very first moment where we're meeting him. And, you know, David Tomlinson is freaking out because there's this little piece of shit Volkswagen in his swank, you know, dealership with the, uh, the, uh, the European carpets and all that stuff. And, and he kicks Herbie. Um, and it's a gasp moment uh-huh. uh, that he would dare do that. And, you know, Dean Jones just looks at him. His head jerks over to him. He says, what's that for? You know, why don't you let the little car alone? And Stevenson cuts to the very, it's almost like at Orson Welles, like the camera's almost on the floor and it's looking up at Herbie. And all you can really see is the, the front license plate, the bumper and those two beautiful headlights. And it's, it's the first moment where you're like, it's this sweet thing that like just got hurt 
and we see this look of sweetness um, in this little car. It's it's an extraordinary shot. I, I really love it, and it it really humanizes him, um, like right from the get go. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I want to talk about the race at the end, the El Dorado. I was shocked that it was in went through Virginia City, which is a place that I've been to growing up in Nevada. Um, but just the actual like cutting back through the madcap. Uh, kind of character stuff that's happening internally with the car where I think that we're at the height of what rear projection was capable of at this point. Like it's incredible technically. And then there's the stunt driving in this movie is jaw dropping. Like there's amazing stunt driving in this movie Uh, and it's cutting between the two and it makes it incredibly kinetic and incredibly fun. And it's something that I feel like that, the DNA for all the different parts of this movie have been, you know, kind of extrapolated for everything else. But it's like you could talk about this being a blueprint for some of the Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, <laughs> totally. it, like seriously, in a way, in a way, oh, that, yeah. like, the formula just works. Where it's just like we're just showing these. There's no way where that footage, you know, whether it's second unit or whatever it was, of watching these stunt drivers rip through these country roads, like it's just inherently thrilling to watch. Yeah. The moment where like Herbie's going down the hill and crossing the oncoming traffic at just the right times. I was like, Oh my God. Like that is so scary to watch. (laughs) It's a blood puncher moment. You're like, Oh Jesus. And uh, yeah. And then, you know, there's also that moment where he's on, you know, Herbie's riding on three wheels and the stunt, the stunt man was actually hanging out over, the edge of the cliff there. I, I guess they filmed that on the Angeles Crest Freeway or whatever. And oh uh, god, and uh, I don't even like driving there normally. <laughs> yeah, and I was even, I'm I'm like you know that's a very impressive shot and just everything they're doing in that entire sequence is nuts. <laughs> in and the, best the way. course itself is just so cool and so fun. I mean, there's yes. a point where. Um, Buddy Hackett is like, yeah, we're going to go with Herbie everywhere. We're going to go to Le Mans. And I was like, oh, please don't fucking go to Le Mans. Enough movies about Le Mans, okay? Like, I would rather watch this final race any day compared to stupid Ford and Ferrari or the dog in the rain or any of those movies. I'm so sick of Le Mans. I was like, this course is so exciting compared to that. Yeah, are there any abandoned mines on the Le Mans track? I mean, come on. There is a point where Herbie destroys a historic ghost town in my home state <laughs> and having been to my fair share of historic ghost towns, that's fine. <laughs> I did like it when all the cars, not just Herbie, but every car except for the antagonist goes into the uh, Calico mine train from Knott's Berry Farm and is yep. like, driving on the different levels, of the, which that was just That hilarious. shot was so cool with like the miner and like the cars going by in the background and different yeah. levels. I was like, that was, uh, yeah, really impressive. <laughs> But it's t- it is technically beautiful, and if you think too, you know, pre CGI, well, you want to make a forty horsepower VW go fast, you better stick a Porsche engine in there, and that's what they did. And you know, Buddy Hackett and Dean Jones share memories of driving in that actual vehicle, and you know, kind of scaring the shit out of themselves because <laughs> that thing moved. That car is sixteen hundred pounds. I mean, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that thing was just flying down there uh it's it's crazy to think about i mean i i'm my car has 60 horsepower and i'm scared to drive it <laughs> it's, it's an unsettling uh, it brings you closer to god for sure yeah. <laughs> um and i know um we haven't talked about her much yet but the character michelle lee you know she um 
starts off, they kind of objectify her a little bit and she's like sort of dating her boss and you're like, I don't know what's going on here. But then she really acquits herself and shows um, to be very capable and a good mechanic and a great person and not afraid to call out, um, you know, Dean Jones on his crap. Like too, when he's being a jerk, she's like not into him. And so I really liked that. But um, it was funny because I was kind of like, well, why is she... The other car only has two guys, but they have three people. And of course it ended up being necessary because they used all three of them. But it was so funny because she has this fantastic beehive hairdo, but then she's wearing the helmet for like all day. And then they get back to the camp and they're fixing the car and her beehive is like perfectly coughed. And I'm like, really? Come on. So that was really funny. Well, if you if you watch the film with the DVD with the commentary, mm-hmm. it, it's so good because so Dean Jones and Buddy Hackett recorded theirs together, and Michelle Lee recorded her stuff separately. But she, oh my god, anytime <laughs> she comes on the screen, you just hear her just chirp up. Oh, oh, there I am! Look how cute I was! Oh, that outfit! Oh my gosh! Look at me in that yellow! I'm so cute! Um, <laughs> It's just she's so funny and so charming and she got she gets so excited when she's so for instance the scene where they're in the um the drive-in restaurant for those two hamburgers and a coffee yeah. uh, and she's banging on the window to get the hippie's attention help I'm a prisoner you know I can't get out she's like oh ooh, watch here stupid Michelle Lee watch for continuity here in this moment, I've got my earrings on. Oh, they cut back to me. Oh, no earrings, idiot! <laughs> you know, it's just, so much fun remembering. Um, she remembers the day Bobby Kennedy was shot and killed, oh and that they announced, announced that um, on the set. And oh, she said, wow. "We started. We started that day around, you know, kind of holding hands and and just talking about it. And it's it's unbelievable to think about." like the political unrest and the turmoil that was going on in 68 while this film was being shot. Um, that was all happening. Um, and she, um, I think just had such an appreciation for who she was working with and what she was doing. And I think she made the absolute most of her character. I can't imagine anybody else, um, playing that role. And she does make a comment about the helmet too. She (laughs) said, I made, I insisted that, parts of my hair be visible under the helmet because I didn't like the way that the helmet looked. It covered all my hair. So I, I <laughs> would kind of sit back so that my hair would stick out a little bit underneath it. And she's just too much. It's too much. <laughs> Love it. That's uh, incredible that that all this was happening in 68. Like I didn't even really think about the historical context of what it made what it meant to make a movie like this at that time. That's even more uh, brave in a way to me. Yeah, that part might have been part of the reason why it was such a huge hit at the box office. Yes, yeah. um, made a ton of money. I, I think if you re-released it today, and I really, I'm really serious. I, I think if it was re-released today in the midst of COVID nineteen and fucking Trump, excuse me, amen on our side. Yeah. <laughs> People, I think people would fall all over themselves and, and would absolutely fall in love with this picture all over again. People who know it and people who don't know it um, because, because it is innocent, because it is sweet, because it's intelligent, um, because it's hopeful. 
again, this is this is really um, that's something that we need now. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. Well, do you want to uh, start to wrap things up here, Tyler? Do you, do you want to do a rating system or sure. what do you think? Uh, how many bear cleaned goggles? Oh my god! We didn't even talk about the bear. <laughs> we didn't talk about that bear. I forgot about oh, the that bear. bear. That's such a great moment. Uh, yeah. How many bear clean goggles <laughs> did you get? A love bug. Uh, uh, I can start, and I will give it eight pairs of bear cleaned goggles. Um. Oh wait, did I say eight? I meant nine. My bad. Uh, <laughs> nine pairs. Um. You know, it, it was really great. It's close to perfect, but I'm not going to quite go perfect just because of uh, some of the little things that maybe don't hold up that went a little bit too far. I mean, I did say I'd allow it, but just uh, to give my like 10 stamp of approval, knowing that stuff is in there, I have to like hold back. So I'll say nine, but it was very good. I'm great. I'm really glad that I uh, have finally seen it. How about you, Tyler? Uh, I think I'm going to go eight pairs of goggles i think that it's thrilling i think that it's wonderful um i the matte paintings are fantastic um and just all of the characters all the nuance i think that there's a lot of dna for every type of movie that i love of you know cannonball runs and and action and great stunts um and as i'm saying it i'm gonna go back up to nine <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, I, I was thinking the same I thing really, i really did enjoy uh everything about this movie and it, it really surprised me yeah i think uh i'm gonna have to go nine as well um like i said earlier this is just like I feel like I needed this movie right now too. It's just, yeah. uh, it put a smile on my face and, uh, you know, it, it, it made me excited for what we have to come, uh, on the rest of the episodes here. Uh, and you know, just all the performances are so top notch and all the work behind the scenes is really on display here. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's got that Disney magic and I, yeah, I really love it. Gabe, what about you? I mean, you? I'm sure if, you if would you give want. it a 10, Gabe. Oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> I rate it? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, we know you're going to give it a 10. <laughs> you don't have to grade it. You, you don't can have abstain. To grade. <laughs> I'm not, not, not going to give it a 10. I'm going to oh. give I'm going to give it nine and a half bear clean goggles. So like, <laughs> let's pretend, you know, that one of the pair of goggles got caught in a jigsaw or something. Or, <laughs> A lens, a lens popped out because I really, I, you know, I'm with you, Elizabeth. Like I, I, there, there are certain things that like, if I could watch this movie with my children, which I have many times and not have to address anything or have That'd a conversation about anything, then it would be perfect. Yeah. And it's not. And Herbie isn't perfect either. And my Herbie out front is not perfect. You know what I'm saying? So and I think we have to acknowledge that. And that's okay. I think it's really okay to love something with its imperfections. It's what yeah. we teach people. Uh, it's, what we, it's what we should be teaching people about each other. Um, so, yeah, nine and a half bear clean goggles for me. <laughs> that's so great. Um, and so we have not seen the other movies in their franchise yet. We watch them in order and we do one episode each. But I know uh, in our email exchange, Gabe, you sort of alluded to the fact that you are not, maybe not such a huge fan <laughs> of the later films. So I don't know if you wanted to uh, 
give us any warnings or a preview of what's to come without spoiling anything. Uh, well, you're going to have some uh, more moments that are not perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, in the films to come. And that is okay. Also, um, some may be more okay than others. Um, I, you know, we have to take things in, in historical context and yada, yada, all that crap. Um, but it, to me, for my money and for my heart, there is no, there is no comparison in, in any way, shape or form to this film. Um, even though rides again was directed by Stevenson and, and, um, also music by George Bruns. Um, so there are a lot of the same folks working on, on the second film. Uh, but I, it, to me, none of the sequels hold a candle. Okay. Um, so what is up next for you and Herbie and, uh, where can people follow and find what you've got coming up? Well, golly gee willikers, life for us has changed a tad um, with the COVID-19 situation. Uh, Usually springtime is very, very busy for us. I run my Herbie every day, um, every day that they haven't put salt on the road. Uh, If they put salt down to melt the snow, then we can't go out because it just eats away at old uh, metal. But if it's 20 degrees and warmer, we're out. Um, but you know, the situation now, a lot of the mental health events that I had scheduled to do have been canceled. Um, I made an hour long documentary film about suicide awareness. It's called a beautiful day tomorrow, which of course is a line from the love bug. When Dean Jones is, is trying to pull Herbie off the bridge, he says, come on, baby, it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. Um, and so that's my road trip film. Um, that was scheduled to premiere at a Philly area theater on April 1st. Um, that has been canceled. I'm considering making it a virtual premiere um, and showing it online. Um, so uh, stay tuned for info about that. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at lovebugtrumpshate. Yes, that's political. <laughs> I, love when, uh, I love when people ask, is that political? I'm like, um, so what do you think? Uh, Herbie, yeah. go ahead i was like what do you think people come on yeah yeah <laughs> um it's, it's like looking at you know the love bug with the, the sexism and drinking is this a kid's movie <laughs> of course <laughs> <laughs> anyway um but my love bug also has a facebook page it's it's if you search for love bug trump's hate you'll find him there and uh you know, I try to diversify the posts. Um, some are just about the car. Some are about beautiful places in the Philadelphia area, wherever we're traveling. And some are about suicide awareness. And I think it's really important um, to spread that message, not just while we're driving around, but virtually as well. And integrate it into everyday life, because that's where the problem is. Absolutely. Well, uh, anything that we can do, we'll be sharing all of those links. We'll be putting that out there uh, as with COVID-19 and everything else. Uh, as Gabe said, isolation uh, is going to be feel really powerful. But just yeah. know that everybody out there is feeling this isolated. So reach out, talk to your friends, talk to everybody, um, especially if you're if you are feeling um, alone because nobody is in this world. Mm-hmm. Um what was the number again, Gabe? Oh, yes. If you if you are in crisis and um, if you and honestly, 
even if you're not, even if you just feel like you need someone to talk to, um, and that's an important thing about the lifeline. Sometimes people feel like, well, I'm not suicidal enough to call a lifeline. <laughs> yeah, people, I'm not standing on the, the can, ledge yeah, at the moment. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, you can really just need to reach out, and you can do that at 1-800-273-8255. Um, that's 1-800-273-TALK, or you can text HOME to 741741. Well, That's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we loved ha- talking to you about all of that, you know, so important uh, message. And also you're like the best person that we could have possibly had to talk about Herbie because you <laughs> seem to be like the world's foremost expert. <laughs> uh, there's lots of there's lots of freaks out there. Um, but <laughs> I like I like to make the claim that I'm the freakiest of all of them. <laughs> Some might have fight me for that, but I'll win. well i could not be more thrilled to be talking about this movie and these topics with you at this specific moment in time uh it's been a real pleasure uh and we'll be back next weekend next week with what's the next movie herbie rides again rides again yeehaw uh in the meantime eva's yeah, please um, send us emails with your thoughts on Herbie or any other movies that we've done in sequelrights at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at sequelrights. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. All right. Well, yeah, we'll see you guys next week for Herbie's last ride. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's Herbie <laughs> Rides Again. <laughs> see you next week. <laughs>